Hello and welcome to a new show Radical Wellbeing. This podcast will not be just about health and fitness. We'll discuss a spectrum of subjects other than health and fitness too. Thank you for tuning in to Radical Wellbeing. Do not forget to visit our website healthfit.in. Let's get started. Hey Pushkaraj, welcome to Radical Wellbeing and thank you so much for being a part of our podcast. Thank you, thank you for having me. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Pushkaraj, uh, he is the director of Pushkaraj JK Films, an advertising and marketing company that assists individuals and corporations in building their brands. He also writes for publications and newspapers, photographs, magazine covers and directs television shows, films and digital material. He also created and directed a Red Bus music video commercial film. I hope I haven't missed on anything. Yeah. First question to you, Pushkaraj, is you studied biology till 12th standard. Okay, yes. did majors in psychology and then decided to enter the creative world. So yeah. why this and how was the transition from a teen studying biology to directing films? Uh, so I always w- was on the creative side of things. But then mm-hmm. there's a pressure to be in science. If you're an intelligent student in India, the expectation mm. is go into science, become doctor, engineer, typical yeah. shape. Mm. So yeah, my dad wanted me to be a doctor mm. and be on the medical side. Mm. So I was pursuing science, I was scoring well. But around the 12th standard, I realized like I was also topping biology. And I love biology. Mm. Today I love biology. But then that is not what I wanted to do. I was like, no, I do not want to stick with science. I want to stick with something that I am more capable of doing and I enjoy doing, which is something in the field of arts or psychology. So I purposely ruined my exams and got less than 60%. So now that was like, okay, now no science college can take you. So yes, arts is the only option. That's how I managed to switch to arts. Also because at that time, arts was the most affordable education available. Okay, yeah, yeah. It was only 5,000 rupees a year. You you did this on purpose. Yeah, yeah. So what's the most affordable education I can give myself? So it was arts. It was only 5,000 rupees a year. So I was working at the same time and going to college at the same time. So I I used to have college from 7 o'clock to 11 o'clock in the morning. And after that, I used to work as a writer for a greeting card company first, then for an agency. Mm-hmm. And yeah, writing sort of stuck, stuck to me. And I started mm. doing pretty well in, as a writer. Mm. And by the time I graduated, I already was at a decent position in an advertising agency. Mm-hmm. So then even though I majored in psychology, <laughs> applied psychology became my field. And uh. yeah, so once you're already up the ladder in a decent way, you're like, huh, you're enjoying this, why quit this? So I continued with advertising. Mm. And yeah, eventually made enough money in advertising to fund my education in films and photography. And Mm. eventually after eight years in advertising, I left to do my studies in film to New York, completed my studies in films and photography, and then came back to India. And I've been doing films and photography ever since. So how was the transition from being uh, been directing films and becoming a, pro, uh, a photographer? Uh, 
Uh, actually, there is no transition because if you're studying film, if you're mm. studying film direction, you also learn cinematography, you also learn lighting. And mm. what I do, actually, what makes my photography stand apart is mm. that I use cinematic lighting for my shoots. Mm. I do not use a typical modeling lighting, which is make everything look soft and stuff, which works for fitness and bodies. Mm. Like cinematic lighting makes bodies pop out. And that is what I mostly mm. do. I mostly shoot fitness. I mostly shoot bodies, boudoir, mm. anything to do with the human body. Okay. And I always had an eye for photography. It's just that I couldn't afford a camera first. <laughs> Luckily, I'm always thankful to advertising for having given me enough money to pursue all the things that I love. So I'll always have a soft corner for advertising in my heart. Because advertising okay. is one field where you do not need any designation, you do not need any Absolutely. education. If you're good yes. at it, you're good at it and you can make money. So yeah. Yeah. So how was advertising career? Used. Advertising career was good. I worked for Star TV. I worked for Ogilvy One. I worked for FCB. I also mm -hmm. got to move around cities a lot thanks to advertising. Mm -hmm. So yeah, advertising was all good stuff. Writing ads for ITC, writing ads for ICICI, mm -hmm. a bunch of stuff for Vodafone and Access Bank and chocolates and confectionaries. It was a fun life. <laughs> fun, growing <laughs> so life. Yeah. Great. So you're a writer who is also a film producer, director, and photographer, correct? Yes. And so what goes into conceptualizing your thoughts and communicating your real intent to others? I guess that's what advertising is, right? So uh, uh, now this comes from experience. Okay. Mm -hmm. What is creative does not always sell. And what mm -hmm. sells is not always necessarily creative. Right, mm. most of the ads that you see winning awards mm. like Kans and all mm. rarely, rarely do very well for the client in terms of generating a good ROI apart from winning mm. awards. It's like a self flagellation ceremony, mm. everybody says, Wow, wow, it's that type, like, okay. wow, wow, sir, wow, wow, sir. It, it's just bullshit. Whereas, mm -hmm. the ads that win FEs are ads that are actually like effective at advertising, at actually achieving their ROI. Mm -hmm. And the divide between two these two ads is massive. Like in the history of advertising, there have been just about two or three ads that have actually won FEs and cons as well. Right? Mm -hmm. So effective advertising and creative advertising are two completely different things when it comes to a thought process. But... At the same time, sometimes there is a sweet, sweet spot where the two meet. And as an mm. advertising pro professional, I think that is where we all strive to be when we are out of the awards drama. Like if you have an agency backing you, mm. you will see a lot of people claim to be super creative mm. and oh, oh, I'm great at advertising stuff. Ask them to advertise their own brand and not have the backing of an agency. And you see how backing in what hard sense? they fall. See, as an agency, you always have the backbone of a whole team supporting you, people determined to sell your ideas to the client, right? Mm. Even the client is invested in you. Mm. So it's a whole infrastructure that works together, right? Even okay. if you fail, there's like a safety net of, okay, there are other things that can be done. When you are directly consulting clients, that safety net is not there. If your ads don't work, they don't work and it, the result is visible. You have nobody saving your assets, just you. So, 
most people from advertising, if asked to go independent, would fucking fall on their faces and die. Yeah, so it's one thing to faff about advertising, one thing to make advertising that really works. And that's the test of fire, which most people in advertising today, I think, will not pass. Even took me a while to like come to terms with it because it's a complete shift from working as an independent to having the backing of an agency. It's an absolute shift. And even when you're working for an agency, you have to apply the 80-20 rule. You make four pieces of work that mm. will work for the client, that will work for sales, and then you make one piece which is for you to satisfy your creator yeah. that so will probably that, win awards. Yeah, that's and, what raises questions, right? If someone is backing your work, the creative mindset of yours also goes for a toss, correct? Exactly, exactly. So you have to make sure that you do four pieces of work which are for the client, for the agency, for the effectiveness, make what sells, and then you have the liberty of doing one piece that might not sell but will be creatively very satisfying for you. And even if they, mm. the client doesn't approve that work, you put that in your portfolio mm. and you move on. That's how you keep yourself sane in advertising. And actually, that's <laughs> not only advertising. That mm. applies to every field. You have yeah. to have that split between what you do for money and what you do for love. Mm. So I, I guess that advertising doesn't have that line between what you do for love and what you do for money. There is no defined line. You have to make that line. That's what. So even even when now when I'm like training clients and consulting clients online, mm-hmm. for the initial years, I consulted only athletes because mm-hmm. I love consulting athletes. I love working with athletes. Mm-hmm. I love the challenge of it because there's always something very tangible to achieve in terms of performance. Mm-hmm. Whereas fat loss is the easiest thing to do. I'm like, you tell me somebody that XYZ <laughs> weight, they want to lose weight. I'll make them lose weight like snap. There's... There's no brain power required in that. So yeah. I actually look down upon it. The same mm. way I used to once upon a time look down upon the vanilla ads which clients mostly want. But then I realized 80% of my revenue huh. can easily come from doing the simplest thing that is, which is fat loss. Uh. And then I can focus on my 20% and give all my head and heart to it, which is consulting athletes. And that's how my current business is now structured. Only 20% of my consulting roster is now professional athletes. Mm-hmm. You no know, people going to the Olympics, Commonwealth Games, yeah. people competing at high levels in MMA and combat sport yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And 80% of my roster is just your regular people, normal mm-hmm. people trying to lose weight, live a healthy life. Mm-hmm. And that is what allows me to be financially super stable and be very picky and choosy about which athletes I put on my roster. Mm-hmm. So the more better you are at your 80%, the more safer you are with your 20%. Okay. The 80-20 rule okay. applies to everything in life. <laughs> okay. So this this arises one more question. What is Project Battlefit for you? So Project Battlefit initially started as a personal project mm-hmm. of things I want to achieve before I'm 40. Okay. And it was structured in that way. And I stuck okay. to the plan ever since. Okay, so I'm genetically osteoporotic and I used to be a very skinny, weak kid. I used to be 48 kgs in college. Mm -hmm. Okay. Ultra skinny. Okay. And I decided to like build myself into something fitter, faster, stronger. And Mm -hmm. 
I didn't have the genetics for it, but I did have the brains for it. And that's how I went about it. So I studied everything I got my hands on. Mm. Initially, it was magazines, which was a disaster. But then at 25, I started working with a lot of fitness brands, as mm. luck would have it. Because I was always mm. passionate about fitness. So uh, Samit Gupta, who runs yeah. New Life, and at that time, yeah. used to run a gym called Fitness Forge, Fitness Factory, mm. in Science, okay. where I used to go. Achha. And he knew I was in advertising. So he said, you are into fitness and you are into advertising. Why don't you like do some stuff for us? And that's how I started consulting New Life as a brand. And then came K11, then came YFC, then came a huge load of fitness brands on BSN and everything that came along with New Life. Mm-hmm. And then I said, I'm doing so much in this field. I might as well get a legitimate education in this field. Mm-hmm. So I started studying courses at K11. I did my personal training course. And I said, this is fun. I enjoyed this. And I applied it to my life and I transformed myself in six months, what I was unable to do in eight years. I was like, mm. fuck, this is magic. Then I did the nutrition course. And I was like, this is good. This is fun. Then I did the gym management course. <laughs> then I did gym the management course at K11. At K11, yeah. Okay. And because fitness was then my life 24-7. Because I was consulting all brands in fitness at that time. Hmm. And I was at K11 most of the time. So I said, when I, whenever I have free time, I sat for lectures. So I completed five different courses, mm-hmm. including tagging along with Kezad Sir to complete Kezad Kapadia. Yeah. To yeah. complete the master trainer course. So I did the master trainer course when he was teaching in Bombay. I did the master trainer course when he was teaching in Pune. Wherever I got a time and opportunity to learn, I learned. That was my focus. And then I structured a plan for myself that, okay, I will use strength training and powerlifting to get out of my osteoporosis. Mm-hmm. And then I'll get to the things that I like, which is combat sport. And eventually I got into Krav Maga, then I got into MMA, and now I'm in love with Jiu-Jitsu. But I've, I've not been training with the intention of competing. My whole intention is to be strong, capable, and fit, and living a fit and healthy life, and being capable of handling any shit that comes my way. So I never go around picking fights. I don't even compete. Because that is not my goal. Because the risk to benefit ratio is too small for me. And yeah, I love it. So that's how it's structured. So I am right now uh, training Muay Thai, BJJ. uh, Little bits of wrestling that comes into BJJ and Judo. And Mm -hmm. I'm doing Krav Maga. I'm teaching Krav Maga as well. Mm -hmm. So it's all towards the goal of being the best version of myself I can be by age 40. So it's a long-term okay. plan. And that was actually what Project Battlefit was. Okay. But so, then eventually uh, I started consulting people who started asking me, what do I do to get fit? What do I do to this? Initially, I should start giving free advice, but then I realized free advice doesn't matter. Like it doesn't have value. And yeah. I started charging a very small fee. I should just charge like 5,000 rupees for mm. like a full three-month consultation for people. And then eventually I started getting a lot of work and uh, profile started growing, experience started growing. I now charge 30,000 for the same. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it has turned into a career for me on the side while still doing the things I love. So it's good. So how does this Project Battlefit is uh, helping coaches and trainees at the same time? So I have a panel of coaches whom I help mm-hmm. them with their marketing. Mm-hmm. 
getting legit coaches coaches who are actually good at what they do yeah who actually have good qualifications right and mm-hmm. are not like faff junkies because there are a lot of faff around on instagram because instagram mm-hmm. is jo dikhta hai wo bikta hai you have people with six pack abs with zero brains and no knowledge claiming to be experts mm-hmm. in the field so i avoid mm-hmm. that kind of trash i pick and choose good coaches and help them with their marketing i do shoots for them i help them market themselves i build their profile and i give them marketing support via project battlefit i have also uh, helped market a bunch of events in the sports domain for free or at a very low rate like mma events or grappling events uh, there was an auto car event like look i look at niche sports that lead a little development and help them develop via project battlefit so project battlefit media division is more like a ngo in actual terms it actually has okay. no profit for me but just to help build a good community of athletes and coaches and a good network of people with the like mind to come together and grow together and uh, do you think the health and fitness industry can be entirely focused on consultations as uh, uh, many big businesses are mm-hmm. attempting to do so okay and fortunately or unfortunately they are fairly effective in doing so so what's your take on it as in uh, suppose there are big firms which are just providing workout plans and give are, are providing packages based on consultation suppose you have five calls with an expert who is co- consulting you over a voice call and asking mm-hmm. you to follow his or her workout plan mm-hmm. and without even knowing their history or without even knowing what they are actually doing yep that is the problem and but they are, they are uh, fairly effective in doing so yeah because that's as i explained the whole industry is designed as if jo dikhta hai wo bikta hai hmm. right tomorrow a company picks up a celebrity saying that oh this is how i uh, lost yeah, absolutely. Did, what i did that there hmm. are tens of millions of idiots in india willing to believe that this is actually how they lost weight or how they achieved their goal you have an actress who has done bariatric surgery who has gone through plastic surgery or done liposuction who has done shit loads of things to her body now comes on screens and tells you oh i use this app to get fit and you have idiots stupid enough to believe that like you have idiots stupid enough to believe that oh ashwarya rai travels the world and comes home and takes bath with a fucking lux soap yeah that stupidity will always be there in the mindset and that industry will always thrive and exist but at the same time there are people sensible enough to go for specialized coaches to go but for they, specialized methods to go for personal training to take legit advice to do their background checks of whom they are taking their advice from for a fact that some of the best coaches there are actually don't know how to market themselves they are really bad at marketing themselves like they have better mm. qualifications degrees and results than 99% of the shit coaches out there but then their bank account doesn't say the same and that is the problem mm-hmm. like before i joined k11 as a brand consultant mm-hmm. k11 had everything that it has even today it, it was even then the best fitness institute in india but the point was that brand recognition was not there and unfortunately or fortunately the way the world works is jo dikhta hai wo bikta hai you have to have a visual and like mental presence that speaks your value to the people and that is where advertising comes in that is where the media division of project battlefield comes in and that is what i try to do with 
most of the coaches and athletes that they take on board mm-hmm. but this thing is emerging no it's okay i enjoy that because see i have had a client actually I have have had multiple clients mm-hmm. who went to this very popular celebrity dietitian paid 1.5 lakhs for consults and then ruined their health so mm-hmm. i want general public to have these experiences because without these experiences they'll not learn the value of actual coaching and consulting and like actual guidance well then mm-hmm. once mm-hmm. you have seen the shit then you no longer fall for the shit mm-hmm. obviously the downside is sometimes people face shit so many times that they lose faith that this will ever work and i've dealt with clients like that too who have totally given up on life and that is very very sad to see like they give up hope that anything can ever work because they have been fooled so many times by making stupid decisions and they don't even mm. know that they have made stupid decisions because they have purchased what media said worked jiska ad dekha tha who many celebrities say ye mera coach hai wo mera coach hai and eventually they have lost a lot of money and time and effort and now they don't not want to take that risk ever again mm-hmm. so that is a sad space of mindset to be in but then yeah for most of the people i like the fact that a lot of brands are coming into this space and at least creating an entry level platform for people to put their step on you know mm-hmm. once people take a step into the industry at least it creates awareness about the industry and then you can take over as a professional like i absolutely do not like touch clients who say like main ye nahi kar paunga wo nahi kar paunga par mere ko weight loss karna hai i can today happily say like go to one of these stupid apps then and follow whatever the fuck you want because i can't consult you sorry if you're going to be with me i'm going to be strict and you need to follow what i tell you and if you cannot follow what i tell you please find an app that suits you app pe wohi rahega tum roz ek ghanti bajao tumko roz wow aayega tumne ye kiya wo kiya at the end of 40 days you will have made a fool of yourself and then you can come back to me and consider whatever you want to do with me but don't you think that uh, fitness industry has made itself exclusive to a certain kind of audience who can afford its high pace and that's how uh, that th- this is what uh, brings these apps into limelight it's the problem which these apps are solving on a uh, bigger scale the apps are not actually solving anything i mean they are catering to a kind of audience which a uh, majority of the fitness industry cannot like they are selling packages for 449 500 rupees a month yeah, and they are giving exactly, everything exactly exactly mm. Mm. and i want that to happen i want everybody to at least have one package or like purchase something in their life that's a initiative for yeah yes it's a first step yeah like india is india is the one of the only countries in the world where pepsi had to downsize you know your pepsi and coke mm mm-hmm. and pantene and all the shampoos and shit mm. in every other country super size themselves you know to make profits in india they have to downsize mm. themselves 1 rupee ka sachet becho 5 rupee ka bottle becho mm. because in india that is your initial stepping stone for the market mm. so unless you have plans and everything all this training and every shit available at a very low cost people are never even going to take the stepping stone towards it once they have taken mm. the stepping stone obviously you can capitalize on it so you you see the yourself. so you see these apps as a 
as a first step but not as an end destination yeah 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 because because even then people realize na ki ye app pe itna time maine lagaya yes i started mm. but now i need to go to the next level and this app is not going to get me to the next level they also somewhere realize that like i have a bunch of clients who were on i will not name but the, the core app. thing of, but the core thing of that application is just to market themselves is just to create revenue it's not for better you uh they are getting they are getting uh, a niche audience who can uh, who can get into fitness but they will also cater in some or other stage they will also cater their bigger problems as well uh, there is no guarantee that uh, it will actually solve or it will actually add some value to the clients but they will because they have a client base they have a customer base they know their audience right yeah yeah so let them go there see the people who are going to fall prey to an app okay are not your audience in the first place right like a person who genuinely wants to like reach a certain goal okay is not going to be stupid enough to like do it via an app hmm okay as a stepping stone yes like for example i use a running app hmm okay hmm but that is a starting step Hmm. Once I clear the starting step, I am no longer going to be dependent on the app to take me ahead anywhere beyond that. I'll hmm. take advice of a professional running coach because hmm. an app cannot do what a professional running coach can. Because hmm. there are shit loads of problems I have as a person that an app cannot even imagine. Right? Hmm. Like if I say I am constantly getting shin splints from my running. Hmm. an app is not designed to solve it an app is not designed to completely personalize your experience for you hmm whereas running coach can take all of that into consideration fix that tell you hacks around that tell you customize a plan completely for you and you know work on you can, as an individual uh, can ai take over this ai one day will take over it no doubt about it but the human element there are ideas there are ideas that coach will give a client a workout plan okay mm-hmm. there are there are 10 exercises and the coach has consulted and you have to perform these many sets or these many repetitions of these exercises but uh, in future there can be an ai who will check the form and technique as well uh, it's not future it's now there is a huge company which actually failed okay it started mm-hmm. this it did mm. very well in the initial days of the lockdown it got huge bunch of like money from investors and stuff ai and supported with human efforts yes supported with human efforts is what can work because purely ai will not completely work because somewhere human beings need that human interaction need that human touch mm. and that will always be there for example you need somebody to like know the way you think and react and push you exactly to your limit and ai can never know exactly where your limit is exactly what bogging you down that day but as a mm-hmm. coach if as a personal trainer if i'm perceptive i know i know what brings my client down i know what improves their mood i know what pulls them down i know what actually feels them makes them feel fatigued i know mm-hmm. that when my client is not feeling in the mood i know exactly the things to say to get them in the mood to push themselves 
or in the or not just and ai not just sending pop notifications yeah yeah and ai will tell you oh tell her it's time to work out come on get your <laughs> push in a fucking motivational post on your phone and like oh what you can do today you can also do tomorrow and all that shit <laughs> no that generic stuff is not going to work i need mm. to know exactly the things that my yeah. client has on their mind to be able to like reach out to them on a personal level and that is where the magic of personal training lies mm-hmm. that you are dealing with a human being with innumerable personal factors and you need to be able to get in and through those factors and get to your goal with that client absolutely you need to have your own value in place like what do you mm-hmm. stand for mm-hmm. and when i'm consulting brands most of the time every brand wants to be everything Mm, okay and that is not possible like take a fucking stand right you cannot be everything to everybody okay like mm. a brand wants to be maruti 800 also and a brand wants to be fucking bmw also i'm like no sorry choose where you stand be clear about what you are what you represent what's your market and what are you offering mm. or then create sub brands within yourself but be clear of who you are and what you serve and what are you going to give you know to the people who put their faith in you that is the most important thing what do you offer mm-hmm. like if you offer personal training mm-hmm. yeah great there are tens tens of thousands of personal trainers out there what do you offer that makes your personal training worth it and to whom you need to answer the basic questions first the problem with people in the fitness industry is they have a template in their mind you know whether it's gyms or individual personal trainers they have a template in their mind they have seen sadiyon se yahi advertising chalte aa rahe hain hum bhi yahi karenge hum log bhi aisa hi dhanda karenge and that is why they fail because then they are just another trainer and they are just another gym they have nothing yeah. setting them apart from the others you need to do something that solves a problem for your customer Mm-hmm. right and that is where the core of branding lies now suppose mm-hmm. you are my client mm-hmm. now you want a housewife also to be your client and you mm-hmm. want a professional athlete also to be your client mm-hmm. and you want a film star to also be your client and you want an obese man who can barely move also to be your client but then do you want all of them also to be your client who cannot afford your services no exactly so at least one that line is there that this is the premium i charge this is where i am i am not your no not about the premium or about the services and it's, yeah, yeah. i don't think so it's all about cons- uh, it's all about counseling let's say suppose uh, someone wants xyz thing and uh, he or she has a strong determination for that and other guy doesn't believe in this thing so how will you cater all different kinds of clients all different kinds of people around uh, revolving around fitness industry so so there's a beautiful word in the english language it's also there in hindi marathi everything it's called no sometimes <laughs> it's good to say no there are so many clients i have i've said no to if it doesn't match what you offer or what you can give do not serve them you are not compelled to serve them it's okay mm-hmm. it's okay to lose a client or say no to a client that is not on level with you then provide a bad service or create a bad impression for yourself 
like if i have a client who is not willing to adhere to the diet hmm. who is always too busy to work out but still expect results in the greed of money i might say yes but then eventually he'll not get the result and that will create a bad name for you in the market and the industry and you don't want that so you'd rather say no to this person outright than have this person on board as a client okay like in the initial days it used to be tempting when celebrities used to say that oh please train me ye karo wo karo whatever your premium i'll pay but then i realized it just creates a bad name for you in the market when these idiots don't stick to your plan and do stupid shit so unless the client is willing to walk the line with you you don't take them on board mm-hmm. it's okay because you want clients with whom you can work with very transparently very clearly it, it's a it's like a exchange of trust you want to work with people who trust you who you can trust to walk the line with you you don't want mm-hmm. people who will like not act out of trust who will do stupid shit mm-hmm. and so what goes into transiting an idea into a reality and uh, make people realize that it's for you you have an idea you have you have thoughts in your mind you have to make those thoughts into a reality and make your surrounding make people realize that it's for you yeah so this is where your basics of counseling come in right mm-hmm. you need to be able to put yourself in the other person's shoes in the first place right so for example my temperament has always been very energetic and very happy and jovial mm-hmm. right i will find activities to do mm-hmm. and temperaments are set and there are people mm-hmm. who do not have that temperament mm-hmm. okay it's very difficult for them to like think ki oh just for fun i'll go and exert myself no exerting themselves is not fun for them so you need to think from their perspective ki what is fun for them what do they want to achieve you need to get the greater goal in the picture like you get a client who comes to you that i want to lose weight you know losing weight is like a standard goal you need to get into their shoes to know why do they want to lose weight what is the goal what made them now want to lose weight jo itne saal se waise bhi leke ghoom rahe the mm-hmm. once you get there then you start thinking like them but with mm-hmm. your experience and intelligence you can then guide them onto a path where they will be much more stable to follow your advice or walk the line with you because now it's not you telling them things that need to be done it's you telling them how to get to the goal that they want mm-hmm. you flip the script now they are not doing what you tell them to do now they are doing what they need to do to get to what they want and that okay. is the power of like counseling mm-hmm. okay and uh, one last advice for aspiring entrepreneurs Oh uh, I I don't know man I I am a shitty person to give advice to entrepreneurs because <laughs> I myself am like with two three projects in my hand not like kicking the ball out of park with them but yeah the point is I keep on doing and I keep at it non stop even if it's not making profits I keep at it even if it's making profits I keep at it because at the end of the day my 
purpose is to do what I love and survive doing what I love. And if possible, to thrive doing what I love. And if you're an entrepreneur doing the things you love, that on that part I can advise is that keep on going, never stop it. In the meanwhile, you need to take a break to do other things that give you the financial revenue to do the things you love. Please do that. Don't fix yourself to an idea so much that you stagnate yourself. Right? Mm. If I had thought he, I am an advertising copywriter and an advertising director, this is the only thing I will ever do because this is what I am. I would have failed miserably in life because I would have made myself stagnant into being one thing. What you do is not who you are. Right? So, okay. today I have four careers. In all four careers, I'm doing all the four things I love. And I'm having a good time. I'm making enough money for myself and for my crazy lifestyle. And hopefully, eventually all four of these things will grow slowly and steadily to a point where I can still keep doing them and still keep making more money out of them. So that that's my goal. My goal is not my goal is not to make like one Fortune 500 company or some shit like that. My my goal is pretty simple. My goal is to do the things I love at my own pace and have a good time doing them. And that that is all. Great, great. That's a good note to sign off. Thank you, Pushkaraj, for being a part of this fantastic episode. You're most welcome, most welcome, man. I had a great we time talking to, to you. Great. We hope to see you again on our show. It was an honor to host you. Thank you, buddy. Sure. Thank Take you care, so man. much. Stay happy and well, folks. Remember to visit our website, healfit.in. Let us make a print. Goodbye. Thank you.